all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Woo! All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Star Wars Resistance Edition. We are back in the cockpit. Hello, David. Hello, everyone. Okay, Dave. So today we're going to be discussing episode eight of season one, Sonara's score. And I have to say, if Sonara was a real life chica, she would definitely be my type. She'd be badass. I mean, she's rough and tough, but also slender and attractive. Nice long hair, tattoos on her face. Maybe I mean, she's your next to Paul. She she might be. If me and Maggie don't work out, I might just go. I might go for a chick with tattoos all over her face. Why not? <laughs> tattoos all over the face. You gotta you gotta you gotta up the ante. Like Maggie has tattoos all over her body, but nothing on her face. So if I have to find a new a new love, I'm just gonna make sure she has tattoos everywhere. <laughs> I, I I need the prison tattoo. Yep. I didn't think anything about prison tattoos. <laughs> the teardrop tattoo. Oh, shit. You've killed five people. <laughs> you, you killed five people? Like, that's hot. Damn, that's sexy. All right. So Star Wars Resistance, please. The synopsis. On a mission to repair a vital platform defense, Kaz befriends the mysterious Sonara and comes under attack by pirates. Uh, this episode was written by Gavin High Knight and directed by Boss Ning. All right, Dave. So here we go. Locking in S foils into attack position. It's time to just get into this and break it down fully. So this episode, Dave, had a lot going on this week. It did. A more fast-paced, action-driven episode with even a bit of character development for Tam Sanara, plus some foreshadowing of things to come with Doza and the First Order. And Yeager puts down the Hydraspanders to get his hands dirty. And more importantly, the pedo was back. <laughs> Your favorite week. character. Yeah. The creepster himself. The green skinned creepster the, and, is and the, back. And the overall story pushed forward. That was the important part. We didn't have any stalls in this one. No, that is the important part. Absolutely right. And I did enjoy this episode. This was a, a great example of what the show can be. A hilarity and hijinks done purposeful. And although Kaz yet again... <laughs> did not cut through the noise of far better and more interesting characters. The writers found him a, a true purpose this week. They found him a true purpose. And there were times when Kaz was the speed bump, like he was the speed bump uh, for, for the story. It would be like, Oh, here comes Kaz. Okay. Let's do this little quick. All right. Now go get on with the story. He now was kind of up. like, um, what's those things that you get on your ass sometimes when you sit too much? A hemorrhoid. A hemorrhoid. That's the type of speed bump he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's turning into. It's so sad, dude, because like Kaz is supposed to be the character that the, the, we always thought that basically, hey, Kaz is the main character. Is he though? Yeah. I'm willing to 
create an argument about that online and get some discussion going because he really isn't the he lead character. Feel like it. And you know what? As, Yes, I feel like they need to strengthen him. But if they continue to build up these other characters around him and they become the much stronger. Yeah, they become the uh, the center, not the centerpiece, but the the strength of the of the poles themselves on, on a tent. And they're the ones that you need in order for the entire structure to to withstand severe weather and 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 stand the test of time then you know what? I'm okay with that as well. Again, I feel like it's a mistake, but if they're building up these side characters in a way that they're interesting and, and they're truly, truly a strong supporting, I can get behind that. Like, like honestly, dude, I mean this, this episode, the two characters that to me felt like they're the main characters of the story is Sonara and Tam. Yeah. Especially well, definitely Tam. this week. Yeah. Especially Tam, because I really dug the whole th- character development that they, tr- they did for Tam this this episode because it made her really sympathetic. I agree. And it gave her, gave her a, unlike Kaz, where we're still trying to figure out what is his purpose? Why is he doing this? Tam, they come out and actually say, Hey, this is why she is the way she is. This yeah. is why she want, well, wanted to become a mechanic. Yeah. And this is Kaz's show. And at least this week, they, they focused him a bit and to see him committed to getting the targeting system up and, operational and actually accomplishing uh, the task was a win for the audience, especially for those of us that have been wondering why we're even watching this kid when everyone else is just far more interesting. Yeah. So I can't complain. I'm happy that they created a moment for him to finally look competent. Yes. Because he actually looked competent this week. He actually was able to fix on his own with a targeting any, system without any but with with very little hijinks involved. I was glad that they created a situation for Tam to exit the scene and go assist Sonara thereby leaving Kaz alone with the job of the targeting system because I it made it about him. So I did like that and the moment they did that I was like, "Yes." Thank you for giving Kaz something he can do. Please don't fail, Kaz. Please don't and, fail. And yeah, that that was the big thing was like once they did that, I was thinking that. I'm like, okay, you're leaving Kaz off on, to do to to finish the job or yeah. finish the episode. Right. And you separated him from the one thing that we've been saying is his strength, which is the surrounding characters. Because if you notice, they took away Niku. Niku, who they basically <laughs> I like how they took away because it was kind of funny. But like what he's told not to talk throughout the entire episode. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you took away that because Niku's been one of those one supporting actors that helps Kaz. Then you took away Tam because Tam had her own thing to do. Now we now we get a chance to actually see Kaz on his own. And just like you, I was like going, Oh, please, God, do not turn him into kind of like the the goofy, oh, this is gonna happen by the seat of my pants, and look. Yeah. Just by a miracle, I get it. <laughs> no, he actually did something just like what you said was competent. Yeah. And you mentioned Nico. Nico is another character that I really enjoy. Um, his silliness makes sense. He's a, an alien that can't really understand basic human interaction. It, 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 um, it eludes him. He takes everything very literal. And I yeah. think that's a clever a clever way to create comedy and a kids show that makes sense and works with the, with the rest of the show and the characters. It works. It works for that character because at the end of the day, he's an alien. Right. So it's kind of like, it makes sense. 
to it, and another example of it is kind of like how they portray Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy. He's an alien. Right. This is yeah. why this That's is why comparison. he acts his way the way he does. Mm-hmm. And we accept it. Yeah. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I like Niku's actually fastly becoming quickly or fastly. What's the quickly? Quickly. Quickly becoming one of my favorite characters on the show. Well, arguably that one last ep- the one episode the children uh the the one with the children in it. The children of Tahar. Tahar. That was actually an episode that it wasn't focused on Kaz. It was focused on Niku because Niku knew he knew how to talk to the aliens. Yeah. He knew how to do everything. And it was more or less when you take a look at it, it was a Niku centric episode that needed him. And you got to actually see that. Yeah. He might be different in a lot of ways, but his skills are still there and he's still important to the story. That's why as funny as it sounds, one of my notes here, it says the only native is Kaz and underneath, I actually put, I wish they would have just told Cass to shut up instead of Niku. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeager, instead of telling Niku to keep his mouth shut, please. Look at Cass. Yeah. He's not allowed to speak. <laughs> instead of looking over to your right side, please, may I draw your attention to the left side where Cass is a buffoon? <laughs> can you use some, is there some type of Star Wars like super glue that can keep his mouth permanently sealed? <laughs> permanently sealed. <laughs> Uh, all right. So outside of Kaz being a competent contributing individual this week, yes. writer Gavin Hignite explored some moments with Tam and Sonara that we had mentioned that was surprisingly insightful and much appreciated as as being a watcher of this show. They're doing an excellent job with the side characters. Oh, yeah. And this week was no different. Tam is becoming one of my favorite characters alongside Niku. I like how Gavin managed to flesh out some of the, uh, some, some, I guess, bits of her background on Tam. And, and the way yeah. they did it was a great example of how little you really need to bring your character to life. The idea that she's stuck, a mechanic because she's. The idea that she's stuck as a mechanic because she lost her ship. Yes. She's not doing what she's supposed to or what she wants to. In a way, she they parallel this a bit with Kaz's current situation. But with Tam, there's a there's a more of a, a subtleness to her story that feels more appropriate and relatable. And the way they paired her up with Sonara this episode was a good choice, too. It showed a real side to her. And it does look like they're going to do with her what we had mentioned last week. It looks like she might end up joining the good team. Are you still thinking that, Dave? I I, I am. I, I think she is going to end up joining the good team because we, uh, this episode, getting a chance to actually see Sonara is more than just a typical, one of the typical pirate crew. She's very dynamic in the fact that she actually makes very moral decisions. Yeah. And that was actually kind of refreshing. I was really worried that they just portray her as, Oh, she's one of the pirate crew. And this is what is going to, she's going to lead to the downfall of the the Colossus. And she's going to be kind of like the, one of those pseudo antiheroes that everyone likes nowadays. Right. She was actually a very realistic and relatable character. Yeah. And that's why I really like because an example of the the, uh, the resistance was able to do one thing here that I was really happy with that they did better than rebels. If you think back, 
we made the joke about like the 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 episode of uh the sisterhood of the traveling mandalorian pants oh yes right that that, that great little story that arc. episode was terrible and they tried <laughs> to actually make these two characters yeah matter and back in rebels and we were we just bashed it because the writing was terrible right here we get the same kind of dynamic but it works i agree because they get they they understand that it's not about it's not about them being females it's about them being characters and about being thank you, you know, Dave. like thank you because that you're 100 percent correct gender doesn't matter gender it, doesn't it's, matter. A, it's about your story and about your characters and how you're going to flesh them out and make them relatable make them interesting make them characters that we want to follow week in and wake out and it doesn't matter what they do yeah we be, care what they do no matter what yeah it was a little i agree with you what rather than making this a girl power moment that which is just overplayed at this point in the game like, yeah women men we all have our own strengths and they differ from person to person not gender to gender and i like they didn't that they didn't make the tam and sonara anything more than it was it was yeah. two people who are capable who obviously have various things in common and they found common ground and in the end it it made not only tam more interesting but sonara as well uh, this is a character that they just dropped on us so by going at it this this route and tackling it like this it helped it helped it feel less contrived and more natural there yes. was a natural progression to their friendship and how they ended up being paired up um but also dave by pairing her up this week sonara with tam they foreshadowed similar issues or problems to tams that might be brought to light later this season it seemed like she was not doing what she wanted as well did you get that contrast a bit or that comparison when tam said she is not doing what she wants to do sonara said Something very similar. She shared a similar thought. Yeah. Are we going to see that? Do you think they're setting it up? Are they setting up the Nara story to go in that direction? That she's not, this is not something she wants to do. She doesn't want to be a pirate. She doesn't want to be pillaging and, and, and killing people. Or do you think that aspect is going to be the deciding factor when it comes to a moment that Sonara, uh, an important moment where it's going to, rely on Sonara to make a an ethical decision ethical yeah and i i do i really do uh, think that that is that is their core story for those characters both characters and you can kind of say with all the other characters too it's almost kind of like they're doing things they don't want to do so why aren't they the question becomes why are question now for what's tam preventing you right what's preventing you well with tam we kind of know it has to do with her ship her and, ship and the fact that she has no money to to uh get a new vessel however sonara we don't that's know the that's the mystery and i really like that they gave us that little nugget this week of potential uh foreshadowing of things to come for her because it makes her a little more interesting it also uh, creates that question mark that we always talk about in many of our discussions, which we need. We need those questions. Yeah, we we need the writers to pose certain questions so that we are actually speculating internally and we're thinking ahead and wondering what's going to happen. That's how you use foreshadowing properly. When I saw that in Sonara is like the foreshadowing uh, for the use of foreshadowing for Sonara's character was used brilliantly because yeah, it was like, good. there have been times around uh, like in, in, in this season that basically they're just very 
what's the word for or like very forceful with just basically here this is the whole point uh, it's contrived contrived yeah. yes and uh with a lot of the characters a lot of their motivations sometimes feel contrived this one seems natural it seems like okay i can i can get behind this character and now because of that i can actually want to see more of this character i, I agree. hope that they 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 do more episodes dealing with Sonara and her relationship with the pirates because if you look at it, what she communicates with the pirates, it seems like they're a really tight knit group. But then you get those moments when Sonara's by herself, and just like what you said, you get this moment where it's like she's not really doing what she wants to do. Yeah. Okay. But if she's getting along well with the pirates, why? Yeah, it's gonna be a. Something we'll see, I'm sure, before the end of the season. And I, I wouldn't mind her joining Team Kaz. You know, we have Niku, Yeager, BB-8, Tam, and now we have Sonara. I like it because it represents that. Uh, not represents. It uh, is more of what we expect from a lot of our Star Wars adventures. It's a ragtag team. Yes. So it'll be fun to see that if that's, in fact, what they're working towards. It's, a, it, it's kind of like in Rebels. They're a band of misfits. Yeah. That's what makes them very, very uh, charismatic is that that stereotype of the band of misfits that get together just randomly and kind of become a family. That's what made Rebels really great was the fact that. Oh, even Solo. Solo was Solo, like that, too. Where it's just this these guys get together and they. It's, it's fun. They, they become kind of like a family. And for me, that's what I'm hoping they do with Resistance, where they they focus Really hard on making this team. I like work. to focus real hard, if you know what I mean, Dave. <laughs> just, just on Sonara. Oh, just yeah. on Sonara. And, not, and, not Kaz. And not her, Kaz. No, not Kaz. You don't Sonara, want Kaz there. Sonara and her prison tats. <laughs> prison tats. <laughs> All right. So want more Star Wars from the Back to Tank? Pledge to our Patreon page and get more. Every month we put out two to four additional shows exclusively for our Patreon subscribers from comic book reviews, breakdowns to retrospective discussions on the Clone Wars series and a whole lot more. So if you want more Back to Tank, head over to patreon.com slash Digital and get some. Right, Dave? Absolutely. It's only $5. That's it. $5 a month. That's not even that's not even a Black Series figure. And that's not only what you get. If you are a fan of many fandoms, then guess what? You're going to have hours of additional content to sort through because we don't just do Star Wars discussion. We have an entire network of hosts that also participate and add to that $5 tier each and every single month. All right. So let's talk about Yeager. I like what they did with Eager this week, taking to see him take charge for once. We saw a side of him that was less passive and more assertive, showing us all that he still does have some of that rebel spirit in him after all. Yeah. He's got some fight. Well, my favorite my favorite line in all of this with Yeager, dude, was when he turns to Kaz and says, you're not the only spy on this, uh, uh, I think, like on this platform. Because like when he tells when he tells Kaz that I'm like, like oh Yeager's gonna mess someone up because like that dialogue just tells me that yeah just like what you said he's still that down deep inside Yeager is he's still, still the, the rebel. rebel yeah I love still it. part of the Rebel Alliance what a great he moment has his loyalties yeah okay so you brought the spy thing Dave 
he did allude to Kaz not being the only spy. Now, what did you take from this? Because I have my own theories, but sometimes I have the tendency to overanalyze. There was so now, many that I could take out of that. Out of that, but hold on, let me pose the question for you, and then you take it in the direction you want. Was this just him stating the obvious because of the events that unfolded, or do you think he actually know of he potentially knows of others on board besides First Order and Resistance? Could there be other factions? as well on board that Yeager may know about. See, I'm glad you pointed that out because I have it written in my notes too. Is like, okay, does go he for know, it. Does he know more than he's putting on? Okay. So do you now, have your own thoughts on this? Or my just- own thoughts, there were so many that I took out of that dialogue because just like we said, first we said, well, it shows that Yeager's still the rebel. Right. He's still a rebel. He, co- he considers himself a spy mm-hmm. on this platform. But then the question becomes, yeah, just like what you alluded to, are there other spies on the platform that he knows about is Yeager what I thought what I have it here is like what if we find out the platform is actually kind of like a a haven for spies like it's a, like a guild I mean it would buy guild it would make sense uh, just because we already know that if you look at real life similar platforms are are in fact if you go to um, the coast of Africa, you go to the coast of of Latin America, you're going to see a lot of these platforms that is a a melting pot of sorts of all types of individuals, usually seedy individuals, the underbelly of society, smugglers, yeah. um, people involved in the drug trade, and they do tend to frequent in the same places. And within these places, you have undercover um uh, operatives like the CIA that are there pulling the strings and it's not just the United States government we have various governments all getting involved in these types of things so this platform is a very realistic concept these things exist in the real world so it would be interesting if that's the direction we're going as well again I don't want to be I don't want to have a convoluted storyline where there's just so much going on and, 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 and we're not really focused on one specific threat or or story but if they go that direction, that there's just a lot more going on this platform than meets the eye, uh, then it would just be more realistic. and It would add yeah. more depth to the overall idea of this show. And one of the pieces of evidence that actually sh- that goes along with that that I, that I had written down is take a look at the person who leads the Colossus, which is Doza. Doza has no we, – we don't know what his alliances are. He do, Yeah, he works with the – the first order. I think he's just a man that's working. I think he's just a dude working for a living. Think? Because yeah. remember that episode, they alluded that he has some really seedy underdealings. Well, I, but he's I, still I, a good guy. I think he's a guy that first off the f- first order they're at, based on what we've seen, their true intentions for the galaxy is not known. And for all Doza, maybe Doza may have some misgivings about joining up with them that's that's pretty much obvious anything that's an offshoot of the empire i mean you're gonna have to question that right yeah but once again in reality you have a lot of factions militant factions around the world that sometimes people that aren't necessarily bad individuals will have to rely on them in order to 
secure their own peace for themselves and safety for themselves and their family and their business. So this is very, again, a very realistic situation. So Doza making a deal with the First Order or working with smugglers, is it in the gray area? Yeah, but also it's something that a lot of people do day in and day out in real life. You Sometimes you have to work with individuals. Um, for example, medical supplies. There are a lot of people, doctors out in parts of the world that do in fact work with with organizations or groups of people that aren't completely on the up and up, but because they need medicine for the people and the village that they're helping, guess what they'll do? They'll suck it up and they'll work with a, with a group of people that they may not fully trust. And that's where I find Doza at currently. I could see that then. I could see that if like Doza is like, if that's the story that they're going with, with Doza, then that's actually, when you put it in that way, that seems more relatable to me. And it makes a lot of sense with everything we've seen so far. Uh, Unfortunately, Doza doesn't realize that he played right into the first orders hands this week. Yeah. Uh, The pirate attack obviously did the trick that the first order was hoping it would do. Uh, The first order has been working all the angles, including mafia tactics of protection, Uh, The attacks on the platform obviously have been all designed to make Doza or nudge Doza into making the decision that would bring the First Order or see the First Order maintain a presence on the Colossus. And and that's something we're going to see next week or within the coming weeks. Obviously, Doza was afraid for the safety of the platform and the people that he's responsible for. And he made that, that deal, the deal with the devil. And now the tension will rise. And oh, that's, absolutely. I was glad they ended the episode that way. This will increase the tension. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the first order really, what they really want with the Colossus. Why do they want that? Because now that we have cracked through that part of the story, now it's about fleshing it out. Now that the First Order will be there, what are they going to do? What is this going to create for Kaz and his duties as a spy for the Resistance? What is this going to do to Yeager that the the First Order isn't just this fake rumor, this distant this distant threat that, hey, I heard of it once, but I've never witnessed it. Suddenly, Yeager's going to come face to face with enemies that resemble the very tyrannical government that he dedicated his life to fight against. So it's this is going to raise the stakes for everybody. The best, the the other thing too is kind of like when when that when the episode ended, I was like going, okay, uh, what about the aces? Because- what about the booty? What about when, because remember, at the beginning of the episode, Doza, for some strange reason, sends the aces off on a mission. That's all we get to understand. It was a little heavy handed. It was heavy handed. It worked. The question then becomes, okay, the aces are supposed to come back. And the premiere, we saw the aces fight the first order. (laughs) So I'm like going, okay, how is this going to work if Doza actually agrees to let the first order Come come onto the platform. Aces come back. Is this how the aces are good? We're going to see more stories about like the fighter pilots then. Listen, Dave, you're asking too much. You know, <laughs> I'm asking too much. This is a show that was pitched as a pilot, an ace pilot show, and we don't see pilots. So 
David, just don't ask for that, okay? <laughs> I, I'm asking too much of this. <laughs> this show was pitched as Star Trek The Next Generation, but what we're getting is Deep Space Nine. We're getting a... <laughs> <laughs> this is a stationary show, Dave. I, I, I see your point. I see your point. I, I'm, I'm being facetious, <laughs> and, I, and I also use the, the, the uh, forbidden words. Of Star Trek. I use the word Star Trek in a Star Wars show. Shame on me. Oh, shame. Shame. <laughs> Bring out the shame. But, yeah. like, honestly, dude, it, the, the thing I loved about the end of the episode, it opened up a ton of questions that make the, made us want to see what's going to happen in the next episode. And that's the important part, Dave. Which which was missing in the last episode, because after that last episode, we were like, okay. Yeah, I was at my there wits. Was, and I think people that listened to that definitely picked up on that there was no there was no drive to see this episode but i'm glad i saw this episode because this was a far better episode than the last episode yes it had its flaws but i i give a lot of credit to the director boss nig bosco uh but ning boss nig he's not nig did you call him nig 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 jesus dave but i give a lot of credit to him because uh he knew how to actually direct this story. Like he, there was a, you automatically see that basically there's a narrative that he wanted to tell in his episode. I need to actually lead us to the fact that the first order is coming. This is it, which is the one thing for the past seven episodes they've been hinting at teasing at, Oh, the first order is coming. The first order is coming. Well, now they're here. They're going to show up in probably the first uh, the, the the next episode right now because this is it just like what you say Kaz gets to actually see the face of what will hopefully become the enemy the, the main enemy of his throughout his story same thing with the entire crew Yeager I'm glad you brought the fact uh, what does this do for Yeager because yeah Yeager should know about the first order because you know, he does keep it in tabs with Poe Dameron. Well, if you remember what he, uh, the discussion that he had with Poe in the pilot, he didn't even really believe it was a threat. It's not yeah. real to him. And even it's if, not real and let's him. say it is real, maybe he's putting this facade on because he feels that his war days are far behind him and it's something that he just doesn't want to do anymore. I mean, and, and understandably. Yeah, I mean, that's understandable. Yeah. All right. So this week we got another appearance from the green creepster that <laughs> wanted to character. sleep with Kaz and he's still creepy but I kind of like him <laughs> I, I might want to see him in some capacity every week I, I don't even want them to ever develop him or give him his own story just have him in the background the mystery behind his creepy antics is is the most interesting part about him however I do have some sad news Dave <laughs> uh oh what did you do I was as I was compiling notes for this discussion i stumbled upon a starwars.com breakdown I, I think they call it the bucket list and they do it every kind of like kind of like the rebels recon yes but this isn't a video this is a, a a post an article yeah and they did they did give this creeper a name and i'm a little disappointed to find out that it's apparently a female Oh, yeah, that kind of ruins the joke. Doesn't <laughs> Their name is Garma, and she is an elderly 
Arcana, Arcona female. I don't think I've ever even seen that type of alien. Have you ever seen an Arcona before? No. And that's one of the bonuses about Resistance is the fact that they've been show they're they're really trying to bring in new aliens. Maybe we did see an Arcona, but we don't. I don't. We can't recognize so. it. I mean, so the so the aliens I've been seeing in Resistance, I've never even thought are uh, out there. You know what? Yeah, we have. An Arcona was in the Star Wars New Hope, the cantina scene, I believe. Really? Give me a second here. I'm going to look it up to make sure. Uh, yeah, I yes. got to look that yep. up. First appearance, Star Wars A New Hope. And it was in the cantina, cantina scene. scene. The, the problem is, is that she's wearing a robe and it kind of disguised some of her physical features. But now that I'm looking at the Arcona on the Star Wars wiki, uh, the alien race is recognizable. I just couldn't. I just couldn't put the name of the species to her appearance. But yes, as an elderly female, does it make it any less creepy? A little bit, but it's still, I mean, you have a 90-year-old alien going after a 20-year-old yeah, Kaz. Right. It's yeah. still creepy. It's still creepy. It's still creepy, but just not as fun. <laughs> I thought it was a little funner knowing, funner, is that even a word? I think it was a little more fun having it be an old creepy man, or even just leaving it ambiguous that, that we don't even ambiguous. know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish they would have left it ambiguous because there, there's something more humorous about it. If it's if it's that I, I agree, because it was just kind of out of left field. It still was out of left field, but shame on me for doing research and finding this. I was hoping I never found out anything. Well, Kaz, we'll just have to sleep with a gilf. And oh, granny instead of a uh, really? Man. Would you call this Garma a gilf? I mean, your idea of a gilf, Dave, I'm a little concerned for you, buddy. <laughs> well, you got to remember that basically some people have. Uh, question my uh, I other tastes. I mean, Monica Bellucci, Gilf. Betty White, no. Gilf? <laughs> no, David. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Because it's it's about, you know, like, you know, you, you wonder. It's, it's the a, mystery. No, Mike. Can, I, I can don't. Can we find out I, the mystery? I don't wonder, Dave. You know what? <laughs> Eventually I'll get there when I'm 80 years old and I'm in an old folks home living by myself. Then I'll wonder. <laughs> but right now I will wonder about Monica Bellucci. Okay. All right. So another strength of this week is the pirate raid. I absolutely love the art designed for this show. And anytime we get action sequences, all my hate for Kaz melts away. And I live in the briefest of moments. Uh, but seriously, I, I really dig the art design. It's such a great combination of anime and Ralph McQuarrie's designs, which always needs to be the case, right? Yes. No absolutely. matter who's sitting in that chair, our concept illustrators have got to always maintain a similar vision that that McQuarrie and Lucas had and use similar iterations from pop culture as sources of inspiration, whether it be the serials uh, from the 30s and 40s or Edgar Rice Burroughs, the old samurai flicks, westerns. I mean, the list goes on. Whatever you're using, um, never forget the various elements that that Lucas used and McQuarrie as sources of uh, inspirations for their for their illustrations and art, and art design and, and concepts. And I know that even through Rebels, we were using them. And I'm not talking about digging through the archives. I'm just saying being true to the art style and the approach. Yes. And I feel like with the pirates, we get a lot of that. 
Dude, we do. It's so fantastic. It's so fantastic. I like the the visuals of I'm thinking he's the leader. The one that was that uh uh talking to Sonara yes. on the hologram. Yep. I like the fact that the 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 getup he's all in, it's very right it's all like mismatched you'd expect that out of a pirate you see pieces of a stormtrooper it's, outfit it's awesome it's like something we saw i guess in the movies we can point to jabba's palace jabba's palace yeah it has that it has that very uh scum and villainy vibe to it where basically they don't care what side you are right you are yeah it the the art design is also very similar to uh solo when you take a look at like the mercenaries in Solo, yeah, it's very Star Wars ish, and it's that's very Star Wars. That's why I dig it. I really appreciate the amount of effort they put into that. All right, Dave. So this takes us to overall thoughts. Give me your final thoughts in this episode in a nutshell, and go. Overall thoughts of this show, this particular episode. I actually give this episode a solid B minus. It's a very good episode. They toned back Kaz, which. You know, is is a negative and it's uh, is a positive and a negative in itself. But because they did, they allowed other parts of of the of the series to really, really come come around and flourish. Like seeing a lot of like the character development of Tam, of Sonara, of Yeager, even to some degree of Doza. I'm very I, with Doza. I'm very interested, kind of getting a Lando Calrissian. He he's stuck in a in a position where he has to make the what he thinks is the better decision for his platform than what others might i dig that there there's some good story arc being driven in there and then with kaz the one thing i was really surprised when the one positive that i have written here is the very his last actions he was able to do something without being overly goofy he didn't jar jar it up yeah he, he actually did something very well done and because you do that you you take away the that that some of that goofiness that we all do not like about kaz now now we're saying can you do a, give us some more make kaz more we want more make kaz more relatable make him yeah. actually enjoyable to see right uh what so else dave besides that i am really excited to actually see the first order in the next episode so they got me still going so b minus and i think it's one of the strongest episodes of the season so far all right i would agree with that strong episode i loved what gavin high Knight or hig Knight and bosk bosco ing did for this week's episode they really focused the narrative and they took all of the strands that they've been working on and brought them all together this week. And the, the, the way they handled Kaz and, and keeping him a little more subtle rather than just in your face, crazy antics. I thought that was a good call. Also giving him a win, uh, giving him a moment where he actually is competent and he managed to do something right and truly save the day uh, for the most part by himself. Yeah. He had, he had Yeager there with him, but for the most part, he handled shit on his own. And yes. even two episodes ago with the uh, the children of Tahar, it was more Niku that saved the day for that episode. And Kaz just helped it along. 
he needed his moment and they gave him that. And I'm hoping we get more of that. Yeah. So it's a solid episode. I enjoyed it. It was far better than the previous. And uh, we need to get Gavin and Bosco working together a little more often. Absolutely. Needs to happen. All right, Dave, thank you for your participation in this week's discussion. Also want to thank everybody else. If you miss any part of this broadcast, please find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Just search Star Wars from the back to tank. And we will see everybody next week. Thank you, David. May the force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper 1. And if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to FromTheBackToTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and add us to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly. And may the Force be with you. And long live. Thank you for listening to From the Back to Tank. From the Back to Tank is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotank.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Tank. As well as Facebook, facebook.com slash from the back to tank. <laughs>